Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 97.1 FM Talk. On Demand Audio. Wiggins America, 97.1 FM Talk. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Let's jump right in. We've got Pacific Legal Foundation's VP of Legal Affairs, Jim Burling, on the phone with us. Thanks so much for doing this today. My pleasure. So let's let's talk about protocol first because that's kind of what everybody's talking about even underneath Roe versus Wade. That's, you know, causing the headlines that this is Roe versus Wade. But what is the protocol breach here? Have, have you ever seen anything like this where a, a, a possible opinion is leaked ahead of time? No. I mean, there have been hints of what a future opinion is going to be, uh, but there has never been a draft opinion circulated in advance uh, via leaker before. And so what does this do to the court itself? I mean, are we talking about now, you know, people are going to be in camps and not going to be trusting each other? I I don't know what the inner workings of the relationships between the nine justices are now, but does that change things? I mean, it changes things just a little bit because there is a great deal of trust when the opinions are circulated amongst the justices before they're issued in final. And they're circulated for the purpose of, making sure that uh, everybody has time to think about it. There are dissents and there are concurrences that are being issued and, and answered at the same time. So after this one was circulated, other justices will probably be writing dissents or concurrences and circulating those. And then the draft opinion, larger draft opinion, can respond to those in turn. And they go back and forth responding to one another. So when you see the final brief, it's usually very different from what I imagine a draft looks like because there's no opportunity yet to respond to any of the other comments, suggestions, or criticisms. And now they're not going to be able to trust the circulation of a draft opinion anymore. They're simply going to uh, be very wary about putting things down on paper if they know that they could be leaked. So I think the court has to do something to make sure that this is the Uh, rare and only exception to the confidentiality that the members of the court hold amongst themselves and their clerks. Chief Justice John Roberts has been kind of on the war page, the rampage here, going about, uh, looks like he's going to do an investigation. What kind of recourse do they have? I mean, we're not talking about somebody who's broken the law. They've just broken protocol, right? Well, so far as we know, it's only broken the protocol and violation of the agreements that they have. Now, people have speculated, could there be any kind of criminal activity here? Well, I mean, it depends. If this if this were leaked by a clerk internally, probably not. But if it was somebody that hacked into the Supreme Court computer system to do this, then possibly uh, there's criminal activity involved. Uh, but so far as we know, this is probably leaked by somebody who had authorization to review and to have this draft in the first place, such as a law clerk or a uh, clerical employee at the court. Uh, but they certainly are breaching their duties. They're certainly going to lose their jobs We're if talk- this is found out, most likely. Jim Burling is on the phone with us. He's from Pacific Legal Foundation. He's the VP of Legal Affairs. 
How likely is it that a clerk did this without the knowledge or blessing of the justice? Is it pretty likely that the justice would not have known this? I think that if a justice had known this were to happen, that the justice would have done everything to put a stop to it. Uh, because justices are going to be in that court for a long time, I mean, a very long, their entire lifetime in, in most instances. And they're going to want to have the trust of their other justices. Now, they may disagree with one another very much, but they still have to be collegial. I mean, they're great examples of Justice Ginsburg and Justice Scalia that were in polar opposites ideologically, but they were great friends. But how can you have that kind of collegiality if a justice were to allow something to be leaked like this? So I suspect they justices, none of the justices knew anything about this leak before it happened. Yeah. Jim, let's talk about the draft itself. Um, you know the Supreme Court. You know the way that these things work much better than I do, uh, which is why you're here this morning. Um, but is this something that we could have seen this exact draft be the opinion? Or is this commonly, you know, like you said, is this something that is circled around because that's just Alito's opinion and what we would eventually have seen was something completely different? I mean, I think the likelihood if this if this whole leaking hadn't happened is that we would have had a much cleaner version of the draft because Alito uh, seems to have four other votes or a total of five votes, which is what you need for a majority. The, the draft would have been cleaned up quite a bit. There are a few blanks in it. There are some uh, logical um, holes that need to be filled in. And that's the sort of reason why these things are circulated and all the other justices and clerks will look at them very carefully and make comments. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that this was the final opinion. Justice Roberts, as you know, pointedly did not join this. And he may be trying to write his own opinion and perhaps peel off one of the other justices, perhaps Justice Barrett, perhaps Justice Kavanaugh, onto his side to write a somewhere in the middle opinion that might, without overturning Roe versus Wade, simply modifying it to the point that what happened in Texas would be lawful, uh, but not necessarily a wholesale overturning of Roe versus Wade. That seems to be what Justice Roberts was thinking when, during oral argument, based on the questions he asked, he was trying to tease out whether there's a middle way. So he might be writing his own opinion and circulating that as well, trying to get some of the other justices to join him. Uh, so you would have a split. You might not have a full majority then. You could have four justices on the uh, with the Alito draft opinion. You could have several justices with Justice Roberts overturning it, but not overturning road. And then you would have a dissent of the three justices uh, called known as the, the liberal justices. So if you had that sort of situation, a... 4-3-2 split, then none of the opinions would receive a majority. And so Roe versus Wade would probably remain intact. And that may be what Roberts is trying to do. And indeed, maybe the leaker was trying to put more pressure on members of the court to go along that middle path because the leaker didn't like the, the particular path. It's, uh, it's hard to know what the motivations of the leaker were. Right. Yeah. Jim Burling is with Pacific Legal Foundation on the phone with us this morning. So I know we're in very, very strange territory here, especially with such a big case. I mean, this is Roe versus Wade, of all things, which is probably why it was leaked, because it is such a big case. But when you're talking about, you know, where this could go, is, is this something that you think once 
once a draft comes out, and, and you implied that you know we did have probably five justices that sounded like they were going to vote with this. We don't know for sure, but it sounded like that. Is this going to be something that now they might change, or is this going to m- maybe lock them in even more than it would have because now they're kind of publicly out there where their position would be? Yeah, I mean, that's the difficult thing about a leak like this. Is it going to require, is it going to make them more likely to say, well, darn it, I am not going to be pressured by a leaker to change my vote? Yeah. Um, that could be the result of this. I mean, these are very independent thinking justices. Uh, none of them are wallflowers. All of them have strong opinions. All of them are, have lifetime tenure. Uh, and they vote the way they want to, and they probably have their backup if they feel that people are trying to unduly pressure them. Uh, On the other hand, uh, they may agree with somebody like Roberts that maybe we shouldn't go so far. Look at the outrage that's happened so far. Maybe we should have something dial this back a little bit, be more conciliatory. I I don't know, but I think it's more likely that they're going to um, be less, they, they want to appear that they're not going to buckle under any kind of pressure. Yeah, I kind of felt the same way, but that's why I wanted to ask the question. So, Jim, let me ask you this, because there's so many different facets to this. I mean, the leak is one aspect of this story, but ultimately we're talking about Roe versus Wade. It's a, it's a big deal. I mean, in my lifetime, Roe versus Wade has always existed. So uh, seeing the possibility of this thing ending is really a, a, a monumental tectonic shift in America, to me anyway. What happens now? I mean, I know the basics that this goes back to the states if it is overturned. But can you get into a little more detail about what the average person would see or experience in a world without Roe versus Wade? Well, you are going to see a number of states try different sort of legislation to either restrict the right of abortion further or to enlarge it, depending on the state. How red, how blue are you? And so for the individual out there uh, trying to determine her future, uh, she's going to look at this and say, well, first of all, what state am I in? Is it a red state? Is it a blue state? What's the political um, what's the political pressure here in, in my particular state? If Roe versus Wade gets or excuse me, if abortion gets outlawed in a different way from the Texas law, say five weeks or bans on interstate travel, that kind of thing, those will go back to the courts and the courts will review those with probably the same kind of rational basis review is what the court referred to what happens here, which essentially means that if a government agency is able to, excuse me, if a legislature is able to come up with a good reason for its legislation, the courts will generally defer to that. But there could be exceptions. I just mentioned a minute ago about this idea that people could be banned from traveling to other states to receive an abortion. Well, that raises another fundamental right, not the right of abortion, but the right to travel. And a court may, instead of having deferential rational basis review of a restriction on the right to travel, it may say that, no, this is such a fundamental right, your right to go from one state to another state, that the legislature has to come up with a really, really good reason to do that, and that's not the same. So I think it's going to for the for the woman or the or the individual looking to see what's that how that's going to affect his or her life going forward. Uh, it's going to all depend. I mean, that's a favorite word of lawyers. It's going to depend, but it really will where you live and what the particular legislature and your state tries to do. It's very interesting that you bring that 
question up about interstate travel, because I've heard that come from Biden administration officials. And my initial reaction was that that sounded like hyperbole. But you're talking about the possibility that um, if Roe versus Wade is overturned and abortion is made illegal in many states, that my assumption was, well, people would just leave those states and go to like, for instance, right here in Missouri, people would just cross the river and go into Illinois, you know, very, very easily. I imagine it would be a lot of the Midwest would do that. But you're saying that there's the possibility that states have looked at saying, no, you if you're a resident of our state and you have an abortion, regardless of where it is, it's still illegal. Yeah, they could they they could try to pass legislation like that. Okay. And uh, but I'd be highly skeptical that even the conservative Supreme Court would upheld that right to travel from one state to another. Yeah, I, w- I would, too. You know, even hearing that, I thought that sounded like a, a little bit of a bridge too far. I don't anticipate seeing that, but it's good to hear your legal mind say the same thing as I, my gut was saying. Uh, Jim Burling, we are just about out of time here. Do you want people to find you at Pacific Legal? PacificLegal.org. Go to our website and you can find me that way. Great. Jim, thank you so much for your time this morning. My pleasure. Get more at 971talk.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.